Well, the spiritual being is who I am. So I take it with me everywhere I go. But the whole book and the whole idea of value-driven leadership really kind of sprouted uh, out of me being president of the Board of Public Works when I was in charge of 5,000 people, all the city's infrastructure, sewer, streets, building uh, fire stations and libraries. Uh, Many times I was the only woman inside meetings. I'd be in a meeting of 30 people and I was the boss and I was the only woman. So I realized I was challenged on a daily basis. So I realized then if I made decisions from my core values, I would never make a bad decision for me and I could sleep at night. Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that breaks through the illusion of separation. And I trust something you hear in the next hour may just open you to a whole new way of looking at leadership. Yes, leadership. Leadership dedicated to the good of the whole. Strong leadership grounded in integrity and respect. I am excited about this show because a couple months ago, I was really intrigued. In the early days of Standing Rock, I was really deeply moved by an article I read. It was an interview with a leader from the Standing Rock Sioux tribe. He was adamant about the resistance being nonviolent in every thought, word, and deed. When faced with adversity and aggression, he encouraged all supporters to respond with strong, humble, and respectful words and actions. The directive was peaceful nonviolence, no aggression, none. He said that was the only way the opposition to the Dakota Access Pipeline would work. Nearly 200 tribes unified behind the Standing Rock tribe, and thousands of people gathered at the reservation. A powerful display of Native American leadership created a peculiar kind of success in the continuing movement. The camp at Standing Rock was filled with prayers and ceremonies, and the spiritual core to the resistance has given it resilience and strength. The determined, courageous leadership that stands to protect our water has attracted viral support across the nation and around the world. So what makes this leadership different? And what can we learn from it? I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Cynthia M. Ruiz is an author, professor, commissioner, inspirational speaker, and leadership expert, receiving over 50 accolades and awards for her leadership and service to Los Angeles. She currently serves as a Los Angeles City Commissioner, overseeing a multi-billion dollar pension portfolio for city employees. Cynthia has over 20 years of experience teaching and public speaking. 
She appeared in the movie Discover the Gift with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. And I think she knows a friend of mine because I have a friend who appeared in that as well. So I can't wait to talk to her about that. Welcome, Cynthia. Hi, Dr. Julie. Hello from Los Angeles. Well, thank you. I hope it is sunny and beautiful there. I'm in the middle of Nebraska and Empower Radio is up in Michigan and we have had a 48-hour ice event. So today is beautiful. Finally, the sun is shining and this crystal wonderland that we have is starting to melt and and things are warming up. So I, I hope you didn't get any of that. Well, we didn't get any snow, and I have to say it's an absolutely beautiful, sunny day in Los Angeles. I'm truly blessed because one of the things I love to do is go hiking. So I went hiking this morning and was able to enjoy Mother Nature. Oh, beautiful. Well, you talk about that in the book, and I can't wait to dig into a lot of the things that you talk about in the book. But first, Cynthia, I have a traditional first question here on my show. I like to really ground our conversation into a bigger perspective and a meme that's really important to me. So first, can you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? What it means to me is having that oneness that oneness with the universal presence. I, because I'm half Native American, I use the term creator. You can say creator, God, universal consciousness. It doesn't matter what you call it, but that knowing, that knowing that you're connected to the creator and all of life. Mm. Thank you. I really appreciate how you talk about the creator in your book and you bring up the creator and this oneness Um, just in subtle ways when we're talking about leadership as you're going through the book and and really um, it's exciting to just universalize some of these powerful lessons and these values that you speak from because they can relate to anybody. So I'm, I'm really happy that you wrote this book, but, but first let's go, let's, let's go back and look at your Cherokee and your book comes, your book that I have in front of me is called Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons for Becoming a Powerful Leader. And I mentioned to you before we started the show that your book came at a perfect time. I was watching Standing Rock unfold and I was so intrigued by the leadership and all of the self-organizing that occurred tons of self-organizing and yet this really um, powerful stewardship and leadership of what the mission was and how to how to move it forward and like the Sioux and and what we watched unfold the Cherokee wisdom is so in alignment with all of that and I'm just really curious um, what what you witnessed when you watched Standing Rock, and we continue to watch what will evolve over the coming months. What, any lessons from that? Oh, yes, there were many, many lessons. And I have to say the whole issue of Standing Rock for me is probably one of the most significant issues for Native Americans in the U.S. in my lifetime. So I know that you had mentioned 200 tribes came together, 
my intel tells me it was more than 300 tribes that came mm. together, which I have never seen. Wow. In the United States, we have about 570 federally recognized tribes. And so there's actually more tribes, some that are not federally recognized, but federally recognized tribes, 570, each tribe with their little bit uniqueness and a little bit different beliefs. So for everybody, the tribes to come together and then you, on top of that, you had the environmentalists come together, the uh, civil rights activists come together. It was so powerful. And one message that was made clear that you brought up, it was peaceful, but not only was it peaceful, it was very clear by the leadership that it was not a protest. They were water protectors, not protesters. And it's a little bit different dynamic. And through the power of social media, it literally went worldwide. I was doing a radio interview in Australia, and they asked me about it. So it was something that mainstream media did not pick up, but through the power of people, it really got out there. And I just it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful movement because with Native Americans, there's been so much tragedy and so much disappointment my particular tribe, the Cherokees, we were promised so many things and treaties that never came to pass. And I'll give you a concrete example. One of the treaties that was signed by the U.S. government and the Cherokee Nation was that we would actually have a representative in Congress. We'd have a congressional member, member to represent our nation. Well, that never came to pass. So there's been so many things that are happening. So this was such a beautiful movement because everybody coming together, the power of social media and the power of the people really elevated. And the power of prayer. I mean, I honestly believe that prayer is powerful. And when people come together in prayer, you, you know, can have positive results like this one. Yeah, beautiful, Cynthia. You know, I, so I just want to, kind of mirror what you said because I think it's so important when we say it really wasn't a protest and so when I started digging into um, the different people who were really standing at the helm encouraging people it really was water protector and quite literally this is what I think is is really unique he was teaching every everyone that came that he that he came across with but then he was putting it out in the media that we as this is a peaceful nonviolent protection action that literally giving the um, Dakota access pipeline and the the security people that were there anything negative will give them permission to come back with that aggression, to come back with whatever. And he said, so even when they come at us with aggression, with negativity, with really painful, uncomfortable things, we stand firm in this place. And so when I, when I think about that, that teaching worked. It really, really worked. And so, uh, you know, so I really like to contrast that to what 
other examples of really negative leadership we have on the planet right now. There's there's a lot of negative leadership examples. But let's go back to your lessons. Are there any other lessons from Standing Rock with leadership that you want to talk about? No, I think the most important one, the power of prayer, the power of people, and the power of unity. Mm. And it was because it was water is the essence of life. It's very basic. And what really got me and what I really got motivated to help with the prayer as much as I could from being in Los Angeles um, was the fact that you had so many people coming together for this powerful message. And where I, where I drew the line is they started, they wanted to put this pipeline through sacred land. Sacred land is so important to us. And it would be the equivalent of somebody wanting to build a road through your cemetery where your, where your relatives are buried. That would not be allowed. So why was it okay for the pipeline to go through sacred areas? And this was a pipeline that was originally going to go through the local town. And the town people said, no, that's not okay. We don't want it. So then all of a sudden somebody said, well, let's go just put it through Indian land. And they thought that they were going to get away with it. But people rose up and people through prayer and peaceful measures were able to stop it. And it was interesting because um, they didn't go through the proper procedure. The Army Corps of Engineers really didn't engage uh, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe with the process. And so it was actually, it went all the way to President Obama who said, wait a minute, we need to, to stop and look at this. Ironically enough, President Obama and the First Lady had visited the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe a few years before, so they were aware of the actual um, tribe. So it was, it's just a, such a powerful thing and a, a good example of how you can make change and movement with peace and prayer. Mm. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm gonna. I just want to put an exclamation on that because you can make good things happen with prayer, prayer, and peaceful measures. And I think one of the turning points for me that just elated me was watching this unfold. And I and I'm I'm married to a veteran, and I would talk about what's going on in Standing Rock, and he was so tuned out. He was <laughs> he had no idea right. what was going on for months, you know. And as soon as the veterans organized, the veterans self-organized to follow this, this this leadership at Standing Rock was magnetic, and it attracted everything that it needs. So when we talk about prayer and peaceful measures, when the veterans self-organized, it like amplified the whole thing and kicked it up a notch, like put it into high gear because all of a sudden a whole new consciousness of former military and veterans were like stepping in. It just seemed like it opened even greater. It wasn't just the Sioux, the Sioux tribe. Oh, it was definitely a turning point. And I think that was right around the same time that all the buffalo appeared. And yes. for the, the buffalo, it's a very uh, symbolic with Native Americans. And it was kind of almost like, you know, the backup the troops are here. The backup is here, not only the veterans, but the buffalo as well. So that was 
I believe, in my mind, that was definitely a turning point in the whole movement. Mm. Yeah, I can't agree more. Yeah. So, Cynthia, our world, we have so much going on right now, and our world is really learning a lot about leadership. And there's so many outrageous examples of positive leadership, like we're talking about, and outrageous examples of negative leadership. And I, I, I remember when my youngest son, he'll forgive me for using this example on air, I think, because he's an <laughs> exceptional leader right now. He's a, an exceptional positive leader. In first grade, I remember and I had two other kids and, you know, we never had a teacher call us about anything. And the teacher called us in and he was in first grade and she said, your son is an outstanding leader. And we went, oh, thank you. And she said, <laughs> now we need to teach him how to be a positive leader because everybody wants to follow what he's doing. Mm. So if he does things that aren't like being quiet in class or sitting still or doing everybody wants to follow him so he can be a negative leader or a positive leader and it was like wow as a young mom I'm like okay I get this really different right now and it was a, a really good example and hopefully for our listeners today too to look at the difference that we can be a negative leader and we could be a positive leader so how, how do we how do we channel this leadership? You talk about all of us have this innate ability to lead inside us. And what does that really mean? And what's the difference between positive and negative leadership? Well, we've seen many examples recently of the negative leadership. To me, negative leadership is when the person allows their ego to take over and they're driven by their ego. To me, examples of positive leadership is when people make decisions based on their core values. And what I share in the book is 12 attributes of leadership that Cherokees believe are positive values that the leader should have. And the example is integrity. I think we all know what integrity is. And for the Cherokees, we define integrity as doing the right thing even if no one else is around. Because sometimes a lot of us will do the right thing if we know somebody is watching us. But at the end of the day, if you're all alone and you're trying to make a decision, we all know innately what's right and wrong. So it's doing the right thing when no one else is looking. Another thing you touched upon, like with your son, is many of us are leaders and don't even know it because we lead by example. And I share a story in the book about I was actually um, in a fast food restaurant purchasing some food. I was getting a salad, so I was being healthy. But there was a gentleman in front of me who looked a little disheveled, and he looked like he may have been homeless, but I don't judge people, so I don't know. But he came up short with the money to pay for his meal. So I didn't think anything about it. I just you know, went in my purse and gave him a few dollars. What I didn't realize, there was a young woman, about eight years old, with her mom behind me in line. So she was watching me, and I, she wasn't even in my awareness. And she asked her mother for a dollar because she saw what I did. And she went and gave it to the man and said, here, I hope this helps you so you can have something to eat. So I turned around, and the mother, the daughter, the, the gentleman, we all looked at each other and kind of had a moment because I just jumped into action not even thinking 
because that's who I am. But I didn't realize this little girl's watching me. So we lead by example all the time, especially with the young people. The young people mimic what the adults do, good or bad. So to me, in my opinion, it's so important to have integrity at all times. Mm, that's a really good example and a reminder to all of us because I, I think about even when I was a young parent, um, I watched other parents. I didn't have a lot of positive, healthy parenting when I was growing up and I was watching people around me, how they parented. And that's really what I learned. I was leading, they were leading by example. They didn't even know it. So thank you. That's a really good example. The other, the other thing you're talking about this value centered leadership and aligning, but I just want to, um, touch on this and ask you about this before we get into those values because I think you you talk about many in the book there's 12 value centered lessons that that come out of your book but when we're talking about this positive leadership and negative I'm curious what you think about leadership of self versus leadership of the whole you know one of my understandings and you talk about it in the book is that um the natives traditionally will look at seven generations back and seven generations forward that if they're going to make a decision, a leadership decision, how does it affect seven generations back and seven generations forward? And when I think of that, I think of that as the whole. I think of it, how is it affecting our world? How does it affect nature, the environment? How does it affect our communities and the generations forward and backwards? So I'm curious what you think about self versus whole when it comes to positive leadership. Well, the Cherokees, we believe in harmony and balance. And that's why it's so important to look behind us and look forward when we're making a decision, that holistic view. Now, it's interesting because, as you know, I'm a professor and I teach leadership and management at a graduate level. And one of the things that I teach is a difference between women and men in leadership styles. So women, this is a generalization, but women tend to lead from what we call social power. Now, social power is based on compassion and it's for the greater good of the group where men tend to, to lead from individual power. And they are people that take into consideration their individual needs and what's, what's good for them when they're leading a group. I'm not saying one is better than the other because we all know going back to balance, you have to have the masculine and the feminine both. But it's interesting as we get more women into the workforce and we have more women becoming leaders, it's kind of changing the whole leadership realm. The other thing with the young people and the millennials, they are holding the corporations accountable. We have new terms that didn't exist before, like social entrepreneurship. And the millennials, when they spend their dollars, they want to make sure they're spending their money at a corporation that has a social consciousness. So it's interesting, and I believe that it's the time of the divine feminine. So women are kind of leading this whole social power, social uh, leadership if you will. So I think it's an exciting time. I know sometimes it feels, a, if you watch the news, it seems a little dark. However, 
Even with the whole election cycle, and I don't want to get into who was right or wrong or anything, but what I can say is that I feel this last election cycle has energized a lot of people, which is a good thing, because if you want your government to be accountable to the people, you have to get involved. And for many years, there had been a lot of apathy, but now I feel there's a lot of people that are energized to really, you know, have input into public policy. Mm. Yeah, I thank you. Thank you for that example. And I'm just sitting here thinking about not only just the government, but this, the corporate, the social entrepreneur, everything that you're saying. And I'm curious, I want to talk a lot more about this balance and harmony um, after the break. But I'm really curious um, what you might say just in a, a minute or less here about strategies to balance this masculine and feminine style of leadership. I think it was really, um, it, 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 it's been a beautiful topic of conversation because of the election, not necessarily because a woman led in a fem- with a feminine type leadership model, because I don't think that was true. And, you know, but looking at feminine versus masculine, how do we, as a culture, allow more of that feminine in and really learn to balance these leadership styles within organizations because it is difficult. It's They're very different. Well, I think it's, we don't have to do a lot because it's already happening. Unfortunately, what's happened in the past is women, especially in the corporate world or politics, felt like they had to take on the masculine qualities to be successful. So you had a lot of women acting like men, which was, didn't work out. So now what we're doing is the women that are coming up, especially the young women, are really embracing who they are. So change takes time, especially when you look at society changing. It takes time. So I think we're already in that paradigm shift where the women are slowly becoming into power positions, which are going to create that opportunity for that feminine power. So it's already happening. It's sometimes change happens slow, but we're already in the midst of it, which is exciting. And women realize you don't have to be, you don't have to be masculine to be a powerful leader. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That, that is a good right there. (laughs) Reminder for all of us as we go into break, we are talking with Cynthia M. Ruiz. She's the author of Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons for Becoming a Powerful Leader. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's going to be so much more and we're going to share a beautiful prayer with you. So come right back after the break. a day in the new empower radio app music to empower your meditation help you relax sleep or provide a calm background while you work 
The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul. Calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown-up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Arr, we be under attack. Man the long nines. Prepare to be boarded. Arr, flagship starboard bow. What? No, not by the enemy flagship. By garbage. Me beautiful ocean be full of it these days. It flows in from rivers and drain pipes. Many of folk don't know that when they throw trash on the ground, it eventually makes its way into the ocean. How can I enjoy Sail Me Bonnie Seas with all this trash in it? Why, there's soda pop bottles, plastic bags, even stinky leftover takeout. Fire at will, men! Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. If you don't, I'll make you walk me plank. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Seriously, though, learn more what you can do to keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adding light to the world, one heart at a time. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and listen to it again. You're sure to find more pearls of wisdom with the second the second time around. So I encourage you to listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. So again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation and I'd love to hear from you. So thanks for those notes emails, messages. I really appreciate your feedback and want to stay connected. We're here today with Cynthia M. Ruiz. And Cynthia, right before the break, we were talking, you you mentioned this harmony and balance and and you talk about striving for simplicity, harmony and balance in your book. You talk about the seasons and the cycles of nature's as a, like an example for us. And you you also one of the things that 
that I really appreciate about Native American wisdom is really how we talk about our connection to nature and how that can help us feel and stay connected to a universal consciousness. One of your quotes was, we all are powerful and have access to the power at any time because the source is a universal consciousness, which I call creator. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for that quote. And I'm just curious if you could talk more about striving for simplicity and harmony and balance, because I think this is a really important lesson for us all and really those rhythms and cycles of, of nature and how they can be teachers for us. Well, what I try to do to stay grounded, I do a lot of things, but I have a spiritual practice. So every day in my life, there's three things that I do. So first of all, when I wake up in the morning, I start off with my gratitude list. And when I start off with that attitude of gratitude, it just sets the tone of my day. The other two things I do, not right after the gratitude list, but throughout the day, I pray and I meditate. I like to say prayer is talking to the creator and meditation is listening. So those are the three ingredients, the gratitude, the prayer, and meditation that really helps me stay grounded in my spiritual practice. And then as I was talking about cycles, and in life, there's everything is a cycle. There's a beginning, middle, and end. And one of the things I'm very grateful for in my ancestry is the practice of ceremony. So I actually do ceremony, and these these are not necessarily traditional Cherokee ceremonies, but I do full moon ceremonies. Again, everything's in a cycle. So there's a new moon, there's a full moon. And around the full moon, I personally feel it's a good time to do some release work, to let go of what's no longer working in your life, and then manifestation, set your intentions to bring new things into your life. I believe our lives are like circles, so only so much fits into that circle. So if you want to bring new things into your life, you have to let go of some of the stuff that's in your circle. And you can let go of emotional baggage. We all have baggage, which is anger, resentment, guilt, shame, insecurities. People, there's sometimes there's people that are full of drama in your life. Making a conscious decision to let that go allows you to bring new, amazing things into your life. So it goes back to balance. It goes back to the natural cycle of life. You know, I'm in Los Angeles, so I love going to the ocean. And with the ocean, there's a harmony of the waves. You know, when the waves break, it kind of has a natural rhythm. And so many times we try to create that rhythm, for example, in drumming. To me, in Native American, in our world, drumming is so important when we go to powwows and different events. And the drumming, to me, represents the heartbeat of the earth, the heartbeat of Mother Nature. So I love to go hiking, be out in Mother Nature, and, you know, enjoy the, the power of, you know, the trees and the, the wildlife. So I think simplicity is so important because we all live in hectic, crazy, you know, life, lifestyles where we do a lot. We take on so much. You have family, work, you know, all this stuff. And so having that 
spiritual practice to me helps me stay grounded. But before I finish this thought, Dr. Julie, I just want to thank you for doing your show because we do get bombarded with so much negativity in mainstream media. You are a voice of of the, the spirit. You're a voice of positivity. So thank you for all that you do. Mm, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I just, I receive that. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Just your, your gentle voice. I, I can tell <laughs> that you are a living expression of these qualities that you're bringing to us. So I, I really want to hear more about your leadership style because here you are this deeply spiritual person very aligned and attuned to the native wisdom and that part of your ancestry you're talking about this daily spiritual practice and ceremony and how do you integrate that into your being when you go into public service because you're a public leader you're a city commissioner and i was a school board member the even the the president of the school board for 16 years and served in public office and we don't have to leave our spiritual self behind. So I'm wondering if you can give us an example of your kind of leadership style and how do you, because like, like I said, I can just hear it, even hear it in your voice. How do you integrate who you are as a spiritual being and really carry that into even public service where we think there's a separation of church and state? Well, the spiritual being is who I am. So I take it with me everywhere I go. But the whole book and the whole idea of value-driven leadership really kind of sprouted uh, out of me being president of the Board of Public Works when I was in charge of 5,000 people, all the city's infrastructure, sewer, streets, building uh, fire stations and libraries. And not only that, on top of that, uh, many times I was the only woman inside meetings. I'd be in a meeting of 30 people and I was the boss and I was the only woman. So I realized I was challenged on a daily basis. So I realized then if I made decisions from my core values, I would never make a bad decision for me and I could sleep at night. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody was happy with my decision because one of my friends told me, oh, you're in charge of 5,000 people? That means 10% of the people will never be happy with what you do. And I thought, oh, my God, 500 people are not going to like me or not like what I do. And I had to step back and said, that's okay. I'm doing my decisions for the greater good. And based on my core values, I knew when I was making those difficult decisions that I could sleep at night. So many times I would be meeting after meeting. And I would take a 10-minute break, go on top of Los Angeles City Hall, which is beautiful, has an outdoor space, and just breathe. Just having that little break where I would just be alone and breathe in and almost do like a mini meditation, that helped me stay grounded as I went to the next meeting. And many people said, I've never seen somebody that's so happy all the time. You never get upset. You never get mad. And I said, well, I mean, I'm a person, I have emotions, but I try to stay balanced. And if there's something that I'm not happy with, 
I say, okay, let me look at this situation and see, based on my core values, how I can work through that situation. I can I can just imagine you walking into any meeting being clear and calm and just this real comforting presence of just carrying this resonance with you. And I think that's that's a huge piece of it is this energy and this resonance that we create. Can you share more of the core values that you you write about in the book? What are some of those core values that you've learned from the Cherokee wisdom? Well, another one that I think is so important for leaders is communication. Now, communication, you have to be clear with others, especially when you're leading a group, what your expectations are, what you want from them. And communication in today's world is challenging because the good news is we have technology, which has connected the world. The challenge is technology many times takes the human touch out of it. Um, especially with them going back to the millennials, they prefer to text message and email. Well, when you only text message and email, and I do both, you lose some of the nuances. And when you're in a meeting with somebody, there's a lot of communication that's happening. The, you know, the nonverbal communication, you know, all that stuff's happening that is part of the communication without even saying a word. So communication is so important, and when you're a leader, you have to develop your leadership style and communication that's going to be able to work with the group of people that you're working with, knowing that you're going to be working with different generations. I recently was leading a workshop of women business owners, and one of the millennials said, she says, well, I'm so, I have all these great skills, and I feel my boss is not you know, understanding what I'm capable of doing. And I said, well, when was the last time you had a meeting with your boss? And she looked at me in surprise and said, well, I email her all the time. And I said, no, that wasn't my question. Do you meet with her? Do you have phone phone calls with her? And she says, well, no. I said, well, then how is your boss going to know what a great person you are with all these skills if you don't communicate and have a meeting? And she kind of looked at me surprised. She goes, well, I never really thought about it. And I said, yes, communication is not just the verbal language. It's the nonverbal language. And um, Dr. Julie, as you indicated, the energy. You know, quantum physics tells us we're all about energy. And so having that energetic exchange, you can do that in person and sometimes over the phone, but not just not through a a simple text message because you lose a lot there. So communication is so important on both sides. Mm. Yes. Great example again. And communication is one of those values. I'm just going to read through um, the little chapters that you have in this book. I'm going to just for the listener's benefit, this book is small and very easy to read. It's, it's packed full of real life examples and storytelling and every little chapter has the lesson on leadership. It's, it's really exquisite. And you talk about being a leader and then there's integrity, strong, humble, confident, respectful, acknowledgement, respect, acknowledgement, cooperative, communicative, determined, responsible, patient and teacher. It's a beautiful little book and you can find it on amazon.com. It's called Cherokee wisdom and you can find so much more about Cynthia too on Cynthia M 
ruiz.com. Cynthia, so we've talked about a lot of positive leadership things. We're talking about value-centered leadership, and there's really nothing new in this book, but just having it put together reminds us, it just reminds us to go, oh yeah, this is important. And I, I can come from that place of integrity, my personal integrity when I'm, when I'm making decisions and, and really feel into that. But let's just for a moment, um, I want to do this now so that we can have time to turn this back to really the positive, optimistic outlook for the future. There's a lot of corruption these days. This last political campaign really highlighted negative leadership and a lot of negative leadership styles and this corruption coming out in our leaders. And I'm wondering what what you might teach us here today on the call about about that how do we take all of what we're seeing and i know i can tell you also know that this is a time of transition on our planet and the corruption's just coming up to the surface when you were talking about feminine leadership um i can just i can just feel your wisdom in this evolution on our planet that consciousness is shifting so this corruption's just coming to the surface to be cleared out. But what can you say about this corruption? And then how, how do we reintegrate the integrity and the core values that we're talking about as even just citizens, as we're watching this happen with our leadership? Well, I think what's happening is a lot of, and I've been in politics, around politics my entire life. And what the ingredient that's missing is humility. Because what happens is that the politicians are become ego-driven. They surround themselves with yes people, and it becomes the emperor has no clothes. Nobody wants to say anything. And then they, for some reason, they think they're above the law. And they started, especially with the men, they get involved in, you know, taking bribes or women or drugs or all this stuff because they think they're invincible. Well, to me, it should be the exact opposite. We're electing these people to represent the people and develop policies for the greater good of the people. But when they become ego-driven leaders versus humble civil servants, then that's where the problems start. And if you really look at it, and that's changing, though, because as more women get elected to Congress and state positions, you don't see as much corruption with the female leaders. Now, I'm not saying that women are above it, but you just don't hear about it as much. And that may be because today we don't have the numbers that the men do. But I think that the women are less likely to get involved with the corruption. There's exceptions to every rule. But in my perception, in my opinion, I think that the female power as we take power we're going to see less corruption and more accountability and responsibility to the people that are electing the elected officials. Mm. That's a great example. So uh, we're watching all of this change and shift before our eyes and we're learning, we're learning this self-leadership through this, these core values that you write about in your book. I'm wondering if you have some, favorite leaders that you admire in in your family or in your in history and politics what are who are some of your 
leaders that you look up to and, and mentor after, model after? Well, for Cherokee, it's uh, a woman by the name of Wilma Mankiller. Don't, don't hold her name oh. against her. She wasn't a man killer, but her, her name is Wilma Mankiller, and she was actually the first principal chief of the Cherokee Nation and actually the only female that we've ever had. So we elect a principal chief, and originally she was not necessarily elected to that position. What happened was there was a principal chief, Ross Swimmer, who actually took a, a position with the federal government So since she was next in charge, she became principal chief. And so she really struggled because she had to prove herself, and she did. And so next time around, the Cherokees actually elected her as principal chief. Unfortunately, she's somebody that has now made her transition. But she was legendary because, again, her being a female, she had a different way of doing things, and her female power was very different than had happened in the past. But so she, to me, is very significant. Now, if you look at the Cherokees before the Europeans came to the United States, we actually were a matriarchal society. Everything was traced through your mother's clan. And we had balance in the sense that women were responsible for agriculture and for keeping the home, and men were responsible for hunting. But because it was a matriarchal society, you didn't have things such as rape or violence against women because everything was in harmony and balance. It wasn't until later that they were colonized and uh, other values were placed on them that things started to change. But so the history of the Cherokees is one where women have always been empowered. So people like Wilma Mankiller are, are so important to me. Other people that I admire are somebody like Nelson, Nelson Mandela. Now, Nelson Mandela was obviously powerful for so many reasons. But I, what I admired most about him is that he was in prison for years. I think it was 26 years. And he never lost his faith. He never lost He didn't come out bitter and angry. He was in a situation, so I believe, you know, your happiness and your strength can follow you regardless of what the circumstances are, how dim it looks. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So those are the two people that I admire, and many, many others. I mean, we have great leaders uh, to look up to, but those are the two that come to my mind. Mm, Thank you. What what might you share with our listeners today. We have a lot of, of really beautiful evolutionary leaders, visionary leaders, and change makers that tune in to the Dr. Julie show. What encouragement might you give them to help in the healing and the reestablishing the balance and harmony that we've been talking about with even the, the Native American cultures? What what words of wisdom might you share with us as leaders as we're going through all this change? Well, thank you, Dr. Julie, for that question. What I really want people to understand, and I'm living example, is that anything is possible. I believe that anything is possible, but you need three ingredients to make it possible. First of all, you have to believe it's possible. Second of all, you have to do the work. And third, never give up. 
So what I didn't share is about where I come from in my background. I actually come from the inner city of Los Angeles. My parents divorced when I was very young, so we literally started off on welfare. My mom used welfare the way it was supposed to be used, a temporary fixed. I was the first person in my family to go to college, so I struggled a lot. So it doesn't matter where you start. Anything is possible, and I'm living proof of that. So for people that feel like they can't accomplish their dreams or can't accomplish anything, anything is possible. You just have to believe it, do the work, and never give up. And I just am at a point in my life where I am so blessed and grateful because I have been through many, many trials and tribulations. But every challenge in my life, I said, okay, what is the lesson that I'm supposed to learn here? So I take that lesson and move forward. And I always strive to be better than I was before. Mm. Well, I can feel that that has been a successful formula for you. I really, I really um, just appreciate your calm. Um, you can just feel the spirituality that comes even resonates through your voice and your your energy online. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. This might be a good moment to share that prayer. It's um, I would love for you to share the prayer that's in the back of your book. Um, before the show started, I just wanted to share with the listeners. I had made a note and, and, and wanted you to share the prayer. And when we talked, that was one thing you said, can I share the prayer? I love this. And it's just exquisite again. So would you mind sharing that prayer with us? Absolutely. But let me just give you a little introduction. So I attend Agape International Spiritual Center, which our leader is Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith, that many people um, know. And so I actually started t digging in and taking classes. So I took a prayer class there, and our final exam was to write a prayer. And I thought to myself, who am I to write a prayer? How can I write a prayer? Where do I begin? But then once I reminded myself that your prayer is just talking to the Creator, then it kind of flowed. So I'll share with you now my prayer. Mm. Great Spirit, Creator, who I call God, I humbly stand before you to praise you, for you are I and I am you. I welcome you into my heart, body, and soul, Great Spirit, God, Creator of all. Grant me the wisdom to follow my inner voice, the strength to stay grounded while I sing my sacred song. Guide me down my chosen path with the courage to pursue what is available to me. Great Spirit, God, creator of all, allow me to receive the infinite possibilities of the universe. I'm appreciative for my lessons, yet grateful for the struggles. I am comforted by all the wonderful people you have placed in my life. Great Spirit, God, creator of all, I honor Mother Earth for the gifts she provides. The fertile soil provides our daily food, and the gift of water is the essence of life. Open my heart to the healing of nature. We are all related, and through this, I find serenity 
great spirit, God, creator of all. May I never stop being a beneficial presence on this planet. Work through me to carry the message of peace and unconditional love. I am complete having you in my life. Great Spirit, God, Creator of all. Mm, And you are a beneficial presence. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us today. It has really been my delight and honor to have you here. Dr. Julie, the honor is all mine, and I thank you for this opportunity. Mm, Thank you. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you for tuning in with us today. May you be a beneficial presence to all. And remember, together we're creating connections for the good of the whole. So until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. 